All right. Welcome into Dog Central on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm Graham. That is my good friend, Mr. Dustin Wood, a.k.a. at FSF Recruits on Twitter. Uh, if you're not following Dustin on Twitter, go check him out. He's, he's a great Twitter follow, putting out lots of good videos and stats and info <laughs> lately. So um, it will add some richness to your UGA social media experience. Uh, we are here to answer we got a lot of great subscriber questions today so thank you to uh all of our dog central subscribers for coming through for us with some good fodder uh lots to talk about after the south carolina game um seems like there's a mixture of angst relief and uh a little bit of impending doom around some of the injury news that uh we got yesterday from kirby on more guys, uh, something about high ankle sprains in the University of Georgia football team this year, man. Uh, just, just can't avoid them. But, you know, a win's a win, right? And uh, it's a lot easier to talk about all this and figure it out uh, post-victory than it is if uh, Georgia hadn't been able to come out in the third quarter on Saturday. Uh, Dustin, you were at the game. Uh, just, you know, quick, quick thoughts or uh, impressions from Saturday? Yeah, so – Really, crowd-wise, I was um, – I unfortunately had to sit next to South Carolina fans um, this last game. Um, and I just – I mean, they were making kind of a, a comment how quiet it was. It almost seemed just like 2019 where we had a 12 o'clock game where the crowd wasn't really into it. They just expected us to come out there and kind of whoop up on them. And uh, really, the second half when we had that kickoff, um, after the touchdown and they messed up, it was like lights out. It almost sounded like Arkansas, how loud it was in that third quarter. But with the team, you know, it's just kind of the, the motto of this team, slow start. Um, I do think there's probably a little bit of it that uh, Kirby's probably trying to wear on teams. And you kind of saw with time of possession, the amount of plays, we definitely did wear them down. And I know that can kind of be annoying to fans. But, um, you know, I, I feel like the run blocking – when we got into the second half, did get a lot of lot better. Um, I think it's really good that we had Dejuan, uh Edwards back. You could tell the running game really um, enjoyed having him there. And then third quarter, kind of seeing, um, you know, you can kind of look at the stats all you want to, but seeing um, Bet kind of trust in some of his reads. I know that I know that from um, us talking during the game, you know, he, he left a lot on the table in the first half with guys that were open downfield. But it was good to see him. Um, kind of zero in on on his targets, go through some progressions, but um, I think um, I think the one thing I came back from this game is that I feel like we do have the weapons to where if we are down in the game that we can come back. So um, all in all, I know the composure card um, we got to use that, and I think that will help us down the road if we get into a position like that again. Yeah, for sure. Um... I thought that uh, Georgia looked totally different in the third quarter than we had seen them look all season, honestly. Uh, you know, I, I think that this team is kind of – I wouldn't go so far as to say they've looked disinterested, but um, they they haven't had really a sense of urgency at any point so far. And I think uh, – on Saturday, you you finally saw them with a little bit of, you know, not panic, 
they didn't come out looking anxious, but they they just finally looked aggressive. It was almost like being down at halftime kind of freed them up a little bit to actually, you know, go hunt, I guess, to use kind of Kirby Smart's phrasing. Like it it felt like so far there just hasn't been anything that's really made them kick into gear. And then going down 11 points at the break, you know, getting carved up by Spencer Rattler seemed to do that. So I, th- I thought – you know, Georgia got that kind of test last year at Missouri. And after that, uh, I, I thought they were a different team. You know, like they, they had a kind of a different level of internal belief that I think fueled them against Tennessee and against some of the better opponents that they played. When they got to the Ohio State game, there was a lot of talk of, hey, we've been here before at Mizzou. And so, you know, uh, what they did, I know that Georgia is the better team. They got the better talent, and everyone expected them to win that game on Saturday, and they should win that game on Saturday. But that was the first time since 1999 that Georgia has trailed an opponent at halftime by double digits and won the game by double digits. And I think, like, that's – when you realize that they, they came out and they did that in, you know, touchdown drive, three and out touchdown drive, it's pretty impressive. Like last year at Mizzou, it took a while for them to figure it out. You know, it, it took until the late fourth quarter for them to kind of reassert uh, any sort of dominance. But they did it quickly against South Carolina. And I think that's something that I'm, I'm very curious to see how they come out against UAB. I know it's just UAB, but uh, it is still like a game at home against an FBS opponent. And Last time they played UAB was when uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, went off with all those deep shots. And I think it'd be nice for them to see uh, a similar type of offensive output on Saturday. Yeah, I, I will say two things probably was, you know, I think I think Beck's taking care of the ball. I think that's something that needs to kind of be underrated coming into the season. I thought when he had his time um, in previous seasons, turning over the ball was kind of one of his things. So, I do think that's the one glaring thing that he is doing pretty well. And I also will say, as much as we went to the game talking about Bobo, I think his third down calls throughout the game. I mean, he was dialing up stuff that was had multiple options. They were very comfortable, and they weren't really, like, sketchy. I mean, he went through one, two reads, and he had options. So, I think I think if you're really com- complaining about Bobo, that was, um to me, that was a game that you really can't complain because he was scheming people open that game. Yeah, I mean, there, there was two wide-open touchdowns that got missed in the first half uh, that, you know, should have been easy easy six points that Beck just didn't see. One to Roseme on the flea flicker. He was behind everybody. And then Dylan Bell on the first pass play of the game was not covered at all. Uh, he was wide open. You know, no, no defender went with him at all. And so um, – you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like those, those aren't necessarily Carson's reads on, on those play. Like, I, I mean, the flea flicker he should have seen. Uh, you know, the bell. I, I feel like is a little more excusable because you know I, I don't know what what his first read was, but in general, in the second half, he did a much better job of looking for his outside receivers. And like you said, credit to Mike Bobo for realizing at halftime that he had a quarterback who was just extremely locked in on underneath stuff over the middle and basically taking some of those routes away in certain situations 
so that he was kind of forced to look downfield and throw downfield like that, that shot to Ra Ra Thomas on the first drive of the third quarter. Um, there was no short underneath option there. And I don't think that's a coincidence, right? Like, I, I think that's, that's kind of how he got uh, back into, into a, a groove there in the second half. Um, well, we're going to take some questions before we do a uh, quick reminder that we are sponsored by our good friends at home field apparel. Uh, they make the best UGA throwback apparel anywhere on the internet or in real life in the physical world. Um, I have a ton of their stuff. I wear it all the time. Their stuff is great. It's soft, it's comfortable and, uh, it looks good and my wife steals it. So it is, uh, approved by the spouse. Um, Use code Dog Central D A W G S Central two three for twenty percent off on their website. Whenever you make your first order, uh, is a great deal. You can also use that code for any other teams, so it does not just have to be Georgia Gear. You can check out uh, other schools as well. All right, let's get into some questions. We've got a lot of them. Um, starting out, uh, so. This is from Joey. He says, current prognosis of our road to the three-peat. Suddenly, Tennessee doesn't look so scary, but Florida, Auburn, and Ole Miss could definitely be traps that make our road to the CFP harder. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think this is based on uh, just the, you know, Georgia not looking dominant on Saturday. Um, how do you, you know, how do you kind of view things, Dustin? I mean, I, I I think Georgia has obviously, if not the best talent, one of the top three best talented teams. Um, if you're just taking out the star factor, in my opinion, when you when you turn on the tape, but I think Georgia is the one that stands in. I don't think it's about their opponent. I think it's more about them and how they play to their standard. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm not too worried about the defense. Obviously, I think it's going to be a lot to do with how Beck is and how composed his team plays. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I left that I left that game feeling a little bit less like it was a sure thing. But, um, you know, I think a lot of this is going to be how the coaching staff does and how the health of this team. I know we have really, really good depth, and I think other programs are going to have issues with that. But I think um, – I think how this team heals and stays away from injuries, I, I think you'd be um, negligent to not think that that's going to be a factor going forward. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent, man. There's the, the injury thing is it's a real thing. And uh, George has had not necessarily like tremendous injury luck the last two years, but it's, it's been good. You know, like they haven't lost guys left and right like they have now i mean you know you heard kirby yesterday uh ron corson george's long long time uh trainer told him basically like this is the longest <laughs> injury list that we have ever had since he's been there and he's been there going back forever so um i i think with georgia this season if they can make it through you know i Auburn, I struggle with the Auburn game because uh, on one hand, like I watched them play against Cal and, you know, they struggled to score 14 points against Cal, right? On the other hand, like I've been in Jordan-Hare Stadium before 
where that place is cranked up and you see like just a tremendous amount of energy and that goes down onto the field and there's just certain days where like Auburn ain't losing in that stadium, you know? Now I think the talent discrepancy is big enough to where Georgia can overcome the crowd, but you know, starting slow at home is is not good, and it's one thing. But starting slow on the road and getting a crowd into a football game and letting that crowd instill belief in the team that's on the field, that ain't going to – you're not going to get away with that over the course of a 12-game season. Like, at some point, you got to come out and you have to look like you're engaged from the start. And you have to come out and you, you score touchdowns and you get three and outs. And, you know, I, I thought that the defense on Saturday – probably played a little bit better game than they got credit for uh, just because Georgia fell behind by 11 points. But, you know, they only let South Carolina cross inside the 40 yard line three times. Uh, that was a South Carolina team that was averaging 1.5 points per a trip inside the 40 coming into the game. And, you know, they scored touchdowns on their first two trips inside Georgia's Georgia's 40 on Saturday. Um, I, I liked what they did in the second half. I thought, you know, uh, there's some studs in that secondary that, like, they'll shut down everybody they play, right? I don't know if Georgia will play in the regular season a tougher wide receiver quarterback combo than what Rattler and Leggett was on Saturday. But I do think if Georgia is able to make it through this upcoming stretch with some of these injured guys, and that stretch in my mind is – you know, going on the road to Auburn, coming back home and playing Kentucky, who is maybe not super explosive, but is very physical. And then I don't know what Ole Miss is yet, you know, uh, but I think by the time you get to that Ole Miss game, you should be healthy, like, or, or close to it. Um, Florida all of a sudden looks like a different animal. You know, they at least look like a line of scrimmage football team in a way they haven't in a couple of years. And so I think that one – uh, you know, you really hope you get like a Marius Mims back by then. Can you get Lawson lucky, healthy and, you know, playing and, and, you know, contributing even as just an inline blocker. Like if you can get those guys back by Jacksonville, I think it's a big boost for your team, but we're going to see um, it's, it's kind of to be determined right now. I, I do think that you said it very well when you said, you know, Georgia's biggest opponent is Georgia right now. Yeah, the only last thing I will to echo your point is the Florida-Tennessee game shows you starting slow on the road in a hostile environment. It's going to make it really, really tough on yourself. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, all right, let's talk about the secondary a little bit. Uh, this is from What You Got, Lauren. Uh, excellent, excellent username. All right, secondary definitely missed Bullard against South Carolina. Do you see him working back into rotation against UAB and then fully back by Auburn? Any sight into Everett's struggles, question mark, no Humphrey, question mark. Uh, Dustin, you, you go first. Um, so, I mean, if I, if I, if I was going to pick on anybody on the defense that was playing this last time, it would have been um, David Daniel. That would be the one that I, I would pick on. But, um, I mean – Without even looking at PFF, that would be what I would have said regardless. Um, I think personally, 
this is my opinion. I think Everett is progressing. Um, I don't think he's really had a, a crazy test in, until recently, but going to Graham's point, I mean, these are alpha receivers that they went against. And I know that Juice Wells wasn't 100% by any means, but, I mean, these were really good tests. And, I mean, he had his times where I feel like he got kind of um, – um, I feel like they were trying to pick on him, but, I mean – I think uh, Kirby trusts them. Um, you didn't see Humphrey really play much at all. And I think if there's any uh, coach in America that you're going to trust on DB assessments, it's going to be Kirby Smart. So I, I think he's going to progress um, as the season goes on. So I'm not as worried about Everett. I don't know about you. Yeah, so I'll, I'll drop a stat that I put in the 12 takeaways piece on Dog Central. Uh, so starts Lassiter and Tyke Smith in that game Saturday. 21 targets, nine receptions allowed for 82 yards and a touchdown. Um, one, you know, one, uh, I think Starks or Tyke, one of those two got, got credited with the, uh, the screen pass down there. Um, plus they had one interception, 12 tackles and, uh, five, five tackles against pass catchers that were basically, you know, uh, forced to, forced a, a third and long or, or forced South Carolina to get off the field. So really, really good performance from that trio. Uh, David Daniel, four targets, four catches allowed, 80 yards, zero tackles against pass catchers, which was, was my biggest issue, honestly, with mm-hmm. him. Uh, and, you know, had two missed tackles. And then Everett, seven targets, Six catches allowed for 62 yards. Did have a pass breakup. Did have four tackles. Did have a stop play on one of those tackles. Uh, I think Everett played better than David Daniel, but I think both of them need to play better. Um, you know, the thing I noticed with with Dalen was he struggled, I think, on some, some routes where guys were kind of pushing downfield and then coming back to Rattler. Uh didn't quite change direction quick enough. And, you know, what Georgia ideally wants to do, what you see Lassiter do is play really uptight on these guys and, and play press man against them. Like even against Leggett in the third quarter, you saw Lassiter get up in his grill. I think Everett is still not quite confident enough to do that yet, right? He's a young corner and that's okay. But at some point, uh, you know, I, I think if if that type of performance continues, then – Maybe you do see Humphrey. I think Humphrey, I'm very curious how they're going to use him, especially, you know, with with some of the injuries going on. Um, Bullard's going to be back by Auburn, I think, at the latest. I don't know if they'll put him out there this week because they don't really need to. So, you know, David Daniel, I'm not super worried about, and I also don't want to write a kid off after his first start. And same with Everett. Like, it's his first SEC game. Let's see how he performs. Let's let's see how he develops. But I will say that there is too much talent across the depth chart in the secondary for Georgia yep. to not have good play. And I think the the biggest issue with David Daniel was probably that there were a few instances where you could clearly see him confused. Like there were some times where he didn't know what what scheme Georgia was running. Like he was playing zone while everybody else was playing man or vice versa. And I think that that's a concern because that's how you bust coverages and give up easy 70 yard touchdowns. Yeah. I'm surprised that um, I'm surprised Aguero 
didn't um, even receive the snap. But, I mean, that shows you how hard it is to pick up the defense as a freshman. I think that's – yeah, it's not the athleticism. It's the uh, – I think the issue there is that – But, I mean, he, he – just he ran a tight ship. I mean, not many people. He usually rotates a lot, and I had to go back to last year. I, this was probably one of the more tiny, tiniest um, participation reports for a defense I've seen with Kirby. I mean, we only ran twenty-two guys for a defense, and I don't think I've seen that in a long time. No, it's normally up near thirty. Um, I mean, some of that I think is due to health, right? Like, yeah, true. You know, but. Um, yeah, like Ingram Dawkins and Marvin Jones Jr., that's two pass rushers you didn't have. Uh, you know, credit – I don't know if this will come up in any questions, so I just want to go ahead and give credit now to Warren Brinson, who I thought played a fantastic game at defensive sure. line. Um, he was pressuring a lot. Uh, we're going to take a quick question from the chat here from Round Dog. Uh, what about that O-line, which is a, a loaded question and an open-ended <laughs> one that is up to interpretation, but um, – Dustin, your impressions on the O-line? I mean, I, I feel like they're steadily improving. I don't think they're where they need to be. Um, I still feel like they're starting a little bit slower. But, um, you know, run blocking, that was one thing that progressed. Maybe pass blocking take a, took a little bit. But, you know, that's a little bit more talent that they're facing. So, I don't I don't really know. That, but I feel like they brought their, their standard up a little bit closer. It's not where it needs to be for Georgia. Um, but, you know, I, if you look at the numbers, you're either going to have to give them credit or um, Beck credit. But he, when you look at the SEC quarterbacks, it, Beck's getting the ball out quickest and, you know, he's staying the cleanest almost in the whole SEC. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the pass protection has been good to great. You know, uh, the only guy I would really single out with with pass protection issues with any sort of regularity would be Ernest Green, and that's that's understandable for a, uh, a you know a freshman starting left tackle in in the SEC. Um, you know, the, the there was two balls on Saturday that were batted for Beck, and both of those were you know Green not getting into his defender and just you know defensive ends being able to jump up without being engaged with an offensive lineman. Like I think green is, uh, you know, more in like, don't make a mistake mode than go dominate people mode. And that'll, that'll change as he grows. But, um, look, I, I think the biggest issue in the run game to my eye, and I am going to post a, a film review, uh, probably later tonight that I've been working on. Um, Biggest issue is has been trust at left guard, like straight up. You know, I, th I think he's struggled particularly in run blocking. Um, I thought he looked better at right tackle Me too. Me too. than he's looked at left guard at any point, really. And uh, Fairchild was, you know, phenomenal, I think, as a pass blocker. Um, still, you know, some things obviously to learn at left guard, but – uh, I keep seeing people, you know, calling out Van Pran on Twitter in different places. And like, the reality is that what you are watching and thinking is Van Pran making a mistake is nine times out of 10, him trying to cover for the guy next to him who missed an assignment or something. So 
I just think, you know, especially in some of their zone blocking schemes, I keep seeing guys on the left side of the line, you know, they're, they're one off on who they're supposed to be blocking. So everyone's one off. And so a defender comes on blocked up the middle or off the edge. Um, I, I think that they're close. Like they, especially in the second half, there was some times where they were this far away from getting to the last guy that they needed to get to, to bust, you know, a really explosive run. So I think they're getting better. And I think that's what you want to see this time of year, but I am very curious how they're going to, you know, what they're going to do on Saturday in terms of a starting lineup. Apparently Blasky should be back yeah. this week. So how does that work? Um, you know, do they play somebody else at left guard, even if trust is at right, you know, isn't at right tackle is something I'm curious to see. So um, that does kind of come into a, uh, a question that we got. And this is just a quick one, but uh, you know, thoughts on Micah Morris, where does he stand in getting more playing time? Um, I think he's a really good young player. I think between Morris Wilson and Fairchild, Georgia's got three young interior linemen that they like a lot. Uh, where does he stand exactly on that pecking order? I think might change week to week. End of the week. On, yeah. How they practice, but um, he's definitely in that mix. I think for potential playing time. All right. Um, Let's see what the chat's saying. Green at right tackle. Green at right tackle. I I don't hate it. Um, Okay. All right. You're either elite or you're not. What position groups and or players have been elite over the first three games, if any? What position groups and or players need to become elite quickly to win the SEC East? Who's been elite, Dustin? Safeties. That'd be the first thing I would come to. Um, slot starting safeties. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, slot slot corners. Um, for their standards, I don't think middle linebackers have been elite. For what I would expect them to be this year, but you know, some help. I think that will get better as um, Munden gets more and more reps since he's kind of been injured through the off season. Um, compared to what we were last year, I, I mean, I'm more pro on the wide receivers how they've performed so far. I wouldn't call them elite, but compared to where they've been, I think they're they're in that that good category. And then offensive, I mean, pass blocking elite. Uh, run blocking, I wouldn't say um, I wouldn't say much more. But I mean, on the offense, I wouldn't think we're too elite anywhere else, other than not, which is tough to say. But um, we are early in the season. Yeah, I mean, I agree with your assessment of slot corner. You know, Tyke Smith has been phenomenal. Malachi Starks has been phenomenal. Javon Bullard has been phenomenal. I would I would put Kamari Lassiter in that group as well. Um, you know, one thing that really stood out to me in the third quarter on Saturday, especially after Georgia gave up that deep shot to Xavier Leggett before halftime was, uh, you know, he followed Leggett over to the right side of Georgia's defense on the first third down of the second half. And if you watch Georgia, you know that they normally play, you know, they play one side of the field. Like, you know, the number one quarter 
corner is lined up to the left side of Georgia's defense and the number two is on the right. And that's, that's how it's been for the last couple of years. So you saw Georgia say, okay, Kamari, you're the best cover guy we got. Go shut down the guy that's, you know, that's beating us right now. And he did like, it had one catch in the second half for like six yards or something. Um, he had 60 something yards at halftime finished 70 something yards. Uh, so phenomenal performance by him. And I think not just in coverage, but like, he was blowing up screens left and right on Saturday. Uh, he's a stud. The I agree, you know, offensive line's got to get better. Uh, Carson Beck, I think, has been very good, but he's got he's to stretch the field more. But uh, I would go with uh, Dejan Edwards. I thought Dejan Edwards, like, I don't know that there's been a more underappreciated player in this run that Georgia's been on than Dejan Edwards and the way that he looked on Saturday, it was just a shot in the arm for an offensive line. That's been struggling a little bit with its pass blocking because he is exceptional at leaning and picking holes and being patient and finding a crease and hitting that crease and turning it into, you know, a, turning basically nothing into something, you know, there's, there's holes that nobody else on this team right now, will hit or see that he hits and turns into eight yard gains. And that's just something that is extremely essential for Georgia right now. All right. Let's talk about Arian Smith. Zahn asks, uh, seems like Arian is staying healthy and playing snaps, but not going on the burner routes as much. Is the staff taking the opportunity to round him out for future money, like as in for NFL development? Um, oh, what do you think about what do you think about Arian's season so far? Man, if I was on the name a top three wide receiver group, he wouldn't be in it right now. But I mean, I just I wish I would have saw him develop a little bit more after the off season. Um, I mean, I think that he'll have games, obviously, where he's on a bus, one of these, these big ones up. But um, if Ra-Ra's on the block the way he's on the block, um, I don't really think as the season goes on you're going to take his spot. But, um, I mean, I think that's still one of our more deeper um, positions. So it's it's good to have him on the team. But, you know, he, he, can, he can develop. But, you know, he's had this whole offseason to develop the route tree. And I'm just um, – he just got so much potential. I wish he would have kind of seized it in the offseason. Well, I mean, I don't – I think he did have a good offseason. I mean, I, you've seen him run routes so far this year that we've never seen him run before. I mean, prior to this season, if I'm not – let's see. How many snaps? I mean, he played – the most snaps he ever played in a season was 50 snaps. Not 50 targets, you know, yeah. So, like, last year in 2022, of course, you know, he was out for a lot of it. But, uh, yeah, he he had 47 routes run in 2022. Uh, So far in 2023, he's run 54, which is fourth most on the team right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's behind Bowers, Lovett, and Dylan Bell for number of routes run. Uh, the thing that I would like to see, especially now that Rosemi's back and 
Ra-Ra Thomas has asserted himself as Arian playing in the slot. And so far this year, he's taken uh, the vast majority of his snaps out wide. He has taken 85% basically of his snaps out wide. So I think they need to get him in the slot. Um, you know, he did have like in the first game, it was, it seemed like they were intentionally trying to feed him the ball. And if I'm not mistaken, he had like five targets and no receptions. Not all of that was his fault, but you know, I, I saw him and thought to myself, he needs to be better about working through contact. Um, I, I think that, you know, he's good at getting upfield and, and, you know, like go, going deep, we know he can do it. And we saw him, have like a quick little comeback route that he caught, I think in game two, but uh, yeah, if he could just, if he could just line up in the slot and catch some slants and show people that if you play cushion on him, he's going to, he's going to crush you. Then, you know, I think he could go off, but it is to be fair to him in week two, you know, he had a nice comeback route on the boundary. And then the very next play, Georgia lined him up on the other side of the formation and he, you know, he caught that deep cross route kind of, you know, out towards the sideline where he worked all the way back across the field from Beck. So I'm not ready yeah. to write him off yet. I think the problem with that is, is and I, I've said it on previous ones, is love it plays strictly from the slot. And um, when you look at slot pass naps, 28 for Dominic Lovett, 18 for Brock Bowers, um, Arian have one from the slot. So – I think as long as as uh, Lovett is healthy, it's going to be hard for him to get burned at that position. Yeah, I mean Lovett. So far this year, he's taken eighty eight percent of his snaps there. Um, but I mean, you know, Georgia. So far, it seems like they're most effective when they're in some more spread formations. So I mean, yeah, like I it seems like they run the thing. I think it's more of a Kirby thing. I don't think he wants to be that type of team. I think well, he has depth and he wants – I mean, as much as we want to say it, I, I I think you could even see some games with Monk and he just kind of – you could tell that that wasn't Monk and that was Kirby being like, hey, I want you to do your thing, but this is in the parameters of what I kind of want you to do. I don't know if I agree with that, honestly. Like, I don't think – I don't think Kirby's having a ton of – input on you know formational decisions oh no i'm not i'm not saying that but when kirby if kirby well i mean i, I think he was, wants to run the yeah. ball and be physical and protect his defense at times I, I agree with you there for sure yeah yeah i just i think if kirby it just depends on what what he yeah i mean we can agree to disagree on that one I don't think he's running the offense is what I, I'm not trying. I don't want to come off as that. Um, but I do think he'll say he'll say kind of like what – I mean, he's the head coach at, at the NLB on this, but I don't think he's like calling plays or telling them what formations to do. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the only point I was trying to make is that Georgia has run the ball better so far this year the more spread out they've gotten. Every oh, time, I, I agree with that. I agree with that comment. Every time they get tight, they – they get too many men stuck in the box and, and the tight ends haven't really blocked super consistently. That includes Brock yeah, Bowers. And so things are getting blown up. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if, if Georgia's going to be better running the ball out of spread, then maybe you see some more plays where they are, you know, four wide 
and you, you get two slots on the field, basically. Um sees trends like that. He's one of the smartest guys we know. We've seen it in the past. If he sees trends like that, I'm sure he'll go to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what your impressions were on Saturday, but that was a thought that went through my mind in the second half. Oh, I, was like, I agree with you. Yeah, every time – it got you know that third and two. There was a couple third downs in in the fourth quarter where Georgia got like real heavy personnel and stacked everybody in tight, and it was like their run plays got blown up. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Be interesting for sure. Um, I don't know though. I mean, as far as Arian goes, I I do think they can involve him more, but. Yeah, it's just like I, I think they got up. I don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Like, will the deep shots open up if he catches more short routes, or will the short routes open up when he catches more deep routes? I don't know, but they got to get him doing something because he's taken yeah. the fourth most snaps as a receiver so far this year, but he is the 10th leading receiver from a yardage standpoint. So I that, mean, they make more money than I do, but I would have him as one of my guys in motions all the time. I feel like there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that if you get him on the boundaries with the wrong person and then kind of switching out personnel, you're seeing a lot of that in the NFL right now, just kind of this movement of all these different wide receivers lining up from different spots on the field. And But, I mean, I, I think I looked at a stat, and I think um, Bobo is using that motion like 50 – 52, 54% of the time, but I think, um, I mean, I've seen Love it a lot in those. I'd have to Mm -hmm. think Bowers uses it a lot. Bell does too, so. No, that's a good point. I mean, you know, it would be interesting to see if Georgia's going to have to continue running a lot of screens with their running back room being as banged up as it is. So Mm -hmm. I'd I'd love to see Arian get the ball in his hands at some point and what happens, you know, if that sprinter speed gets into the open field. Um. All right, so we've got – I'll go ahead and hit this. Um, we already kind of talked about Humphrey, but uh, the question is, you know, why aren't we seeing more Andrew Paul and, and uh, Julian Humphrey? I, I think with Julian, it's just there's guys in front of him right now. I, you know, I, I think at some point we might see more of him, especially when they watch the tape from Saturday, if, if they feel like, you know, he might have – done a better job than Dalen did or might have a chance to do a better job than Dalen. Uh, I think you'll definitely see him play more snaps against UAB, and then maybe that will lead to more snaps against Auburn. I don't know. Um, Andrew Paul is interesting, though, because, you know, I I can't totally tell what's going on there. And, I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest. You know, like I've, I've said some similar things on, on the dog central board. But, you know, I, I think he was a little sore after the first game. Um, but I think the most honest, probably correct answer is just that he's a freshman. He's a redshirt freshman running back who is coming off of a, a really bad ACL injury. And I don't know if he's, you know, quite ready for the, the primetime lights that I think a lot of people in the fan base maybe, you know, want him to, to be ready for, but I'll, I'll tell you this, like, you know, it'll, it'll, we'll find out a lot on Saturday because now that Roderick Robinson's hurt and Kendall Milton's hurt, like, is it Humphrey? Is it Savon Clark? Like, you know, who else do they run out there besides Dajun? Gotta be one of them. I guess. And all these guys that I would think that could go the other way, the, um, 
Kyron Jones and Peel, they're both injured. So I think they've – I looked at this the other night on, on Sunday. I went through the, all the 85-man scholarships, and I, I think they pretty much, other than C.J. Allen, which they're definitely not going to change him up, I think they've kind of run, exhausted all of their running back uh, hybrid people from high school. I know. Yeah. I hope they don't put C.J. Allen at running back. Although No, they're not going to, I promise you. That would be entertaining. Um, what are your thoughts about Georgia not using Mackay Muse on Saturday? I think he only played four snaps from my count. Your guess is as good as mine. I'm not going to act like I'm smarter than I, I am. <laughs> well, I'm wrong. He played 11 snaps, but seven of those were as a run blocker. Uh, you know, he was the outlet, uh, you know, that came in motion on the long – throw to Ra Thomas. I did notice him out there on that play. Uh, I, you know, I think that Georgia's got Roseme back. That's helping. I think they're still figuring out their, their receiver rotation, truthfully, and I think he needs to be a part of it for sure. Um, you know, I I don't know. That's, that's the best answer I can give you. I mean, he's definitely a big part of what they're doing on special teams, so you're going to see him get touches in one way or another every week, but uh, I don't, I don't disagree with the idea that, you know, if in a game where Georgia threw a lot of screens, maybe getting one of those in his hands would be a good idea. Yeah. His run blocking is good too for screen games as well. So. All right. Um, what do you think it will take to get Rara more looks? He seems to do great things with the ball in his hands. Uh, I mean, I, I would go back to looking at all these box scores. I mean, you can go back to last year. We spread the rock a lot. So if you think you're going to come here and get 10 – can target the game. I mean, there's not enough guys to feed the ball to. So I think that his participation rate will will go up. But I mean, like we mentioned, someone like Arian Smith. We there's these other guys that we could. So there's not but so many snaps. But um, I think blocking the way he's blocking, and I mean, if he keeps that up, you know how Kirby is. Um, I mean, that's going to open up times for him. But He's got a little bit more to go on on his ceiling for participation, but um, I'm, I'm really from what we heard before before the season starts. I'm just happy that he's really picked up on the offense at a higher speed than what he was in the off season. At least from what I was reading. Obviously, I'm not over there in the in the team meetings or anything like that. But yeah, I've been a lot. Imposter over here. Oh. I think with Rara, some of this is trust in the system. Yep. Some of it is, you know, he had the off-field kind of incident this off-season. I think that he's kind of been, you know, paying down time on on that front in a way. Um, but man, you know, I, I just think like the the results will eventually lead to where we're going. And everyone has their favorite receivers. We've been asked about Muse. We've been asked about Arian. <laughs> we've been asked about Rara. And I get it. Like, they're all exciting and they're all, you know, fun to watch and people like different guys. Um, at the end of the day, Rara Thomas 
you know, he had 10 receiving snaps on Saturday and on those snaps, he had three targets, two catches for 42 yards. He answered the bell in a big way. Um, a stat that I talk about a lot is yards per route run. Uh, as you guys know, if you've been around here a while, it's very, very, I think, indicative of, um, you know, what, what your production is when, when you get on the field. Right. And so I, look at that and let's see what's the uh what's the yards per route you know rah-rahs on saturday was 4.2 yards per route run that's that's beyond elite that is what jalen hyatt had last year for tennessee essentially and he won the bulletnikoff um you know marcus roseme jack saint 2.63 yards per route route run that is you know 2.0 is kind of my yeah. My benchmark for kicking ass in that stat. Um, let's see where Georgia's whole team is real quick. Now that we're on the subject, I'm pulling it up. All right. So, so far this year, Makai Muse, 4.64 yards per route run, uh, 22 routes. Ra-Ra, 3.57 yards per route run on 37 routes. CJ Smith, 2.86 on 28 routes. Uh, Rosemi's a solid 2.00 on 44 routes. Lovett's at 1.59. And then uh, you kind of go on from there. So, I mean, there's that's a small sample set. We'll see how it shakes out, right? Like in terms of where those numbers actually land by the end of the year. But I do think there is like something to be said there for, um, you know, they, they seem to know that Ra Ra is the deep shot guy. Okay. Like they went deep to him twice in the third quarter. We saw Vandergriff uncork that beautiful bomb to him late in the opener. I think he will continue to play more and more. And I thought his blocking was good on Saturday from the most part. So, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's my two cents on it. Um, all right, so this is going to be kind of fun. Uh, would be helpful and interesting to have a power ranking of the teams in the division based on A, I test, and B, stats. Come on, Dustin. Well, I don't have the stats in front of me, so I won't go on each team. And I'm going to be – I wish I would have saw this one before I, I came here because I um, – Sandy at the bottom, <laughs> Missouri right above that for me. Whoa, really? So you so so who are you putting below them right now? You putting South Carolina or Kentucky below them? I mean, Missouri just beat a the number fifteen team in the country. Who who was the first two matches that that Missouri had? They had I don't know garbage you and. Trash college. See, that's why I told you whenever I came on there before I dug into that one. Um, you wouldn't want to my, my betting hasn't been very good this year. <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like there's like so much parity between two all the way down to the Vandy. I, I think they're gonna all beat up on each other this year. I think it's gonna be one of those years that second place could have. I mean, you might I don't know if this has ever happened, but you might have three losses on on the on the um, second place team this year, um, I don't think this is, means that you're going to airmail it on Tennessee. I do think it's a kind of 
they are who we thought they were. Me and you kind of were kind of a little bit softer on them than other people, but um, I don't know where to rank Florida. I mean, I whatever I say now, it could go up or go down. I don't think that that's indicative of how they're going to be this year. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a hostile environment, but um, the one that the one that I'm not super impressed with also is probably Kentucky. I, I think that South Carolina is going to give people fits. I, I think that um, they have a lot of potential, and I think they're, they have one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and I think that's going to help them out and staying in the games. The offensive line is kind of putrid if you if you um, want my honest take on that. No, I agree with that. Um, I do think, like – how should I put it? Are you going to rank Missouri second? Is that what you're about to tell me? No. I, well, see, it's not as easy as, you, as it seems, man. I picked Missouri to finish third in the division in my preseason ballot at SEC Media Days, and I did that because I think they have a really good defense. Yeah. Um, Brady Cook, I did not think was going to be very good. He came out and threw for 350 yards on Saturday. Now it seems like they still can't really run the ball, but how does that make them any different than South Carolina? I think they got a better defense than South Carolina. So I'll put them over South Carolina. I mean, right now in the division, you you have to make Florida second because they yeah. they beat Tennessee, right? Like Kentucky, I don't know what Kentucky is yet. Um, you know, I, I think they might be pretty damn good, but they might not also. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave them. I'm going to go Georgia 1, Florida 2. You know what? I'm going to go Georgia 1, Missouri 2 right now. Okay, power, just, power just so you don't think I'm crazy, uh-huh. Missouri and Missouri and Tennessee State was a four-point game. So, I knew there was a game in there. I know um, it was. So, I'm not um, – I don't want you to think I'm crazy over here. No, I don't think you're crazy at all. I mean, this is all opinion, man. It's, it's, there's not a right or wrong answer, right? Um, but I, I do think, like, my personal opinion is that Mizzou, if you're talking power ranking right now, like, they got the best win of this mishmash of teams. I think, you, could, you know, Vanderbilt is clearly last two through six. The only thing that I would argue against is putting Tennessee at two right now because I think, you know, you can't. They don't look very good. But the other – I wouldn't even know where to put them at. I, I, like I said, I think they're going to all beat up on each other. It's going to be kind of a wild ride. Yeah, I would put Georgia one. I would go uh, – I would go Mizzou two, Florida three. Kentucky four, South Carolina five, Tennessee six, Vandy seven. That's my that's my list. Um, yeah, we need to clip that and put it on Twitter and uh, see how many Tennessee fans hit your hit your profile up. Man, they're sorry, right. they're already following me. Don't worry, I'll work on that for you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Um, I did like a spaces a couple weeks ago with this, this guy that's, uh, he's, he's a really nice guy. His name's Jeremy and he's been like having different media folks on to like do spaces. And, um, I was on there and it was like a Georgia space and this Tennessee fan comes in and he's like, why six months ago did you say that Josh Heupel's offense 
is you know designed for teams with talent disadvantages and like went well, like he was like really angry and the dude like kicked him out of the space it was hilarious um that was before last week and then they lost <laughs> florida and then they scored you know 12 points against florida all right last question uh from our subscribers for the day do you think uga could be a top five offense in the country this is from our friend cam um, you know, in his question, he kind of he lays it out where he let me find it. Okay, so so you know, Lad comes back, uh, the, the quarterbacks and receivers they get in the flow of things. The O line play continues to improve. Dajan, you know, keeps rolling. We start faster. We fix red zone play. Is the potential there for Georgia to be a top five offense in the country? I would say yes, and with all that, I thought it'd been a tricky question. Right, if, they, if, they, right. if they said, "Are they a top one?" That would have been the one. It would have been controversial, but it could be. Uh, I think the offensive line that we have. I mean, line of scrimmage is going to be very indicative of that, and I think the potential we have there. Um, you want to be able to wear on teams at the end of games, and um, I think we have the potential for that. And I, going back to that, we. It's been a long time since we've been able to list a bunch of wide receivers um, that could possibly be in the, in the top three. I mean, we like the, our top three guys, but I would say our, our our four through six guys, I feel comfortable putting them out there in the game. So uh, I think that we definitely have potential, and we have the depth. A lot of these teams aren't going to have the depth to be able to withstand some of these injuries. I agree, yeah. And, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about all these really good receivers and um... – you know, we, we haven't talked at all about uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, we like we lad hasn't played yet, so we'll see, right? But I mean, the thing I would say about Georgia's offense right now, uh, to keep it very simple, Georgia had a 56% offensive success rate on Saturday, which is elite, it's phenomenal. It's, I mean, that's really high for a conference game, like that's. Very, very good. That's an extremely efficient offense, okay? Um, the problem is that, you know, they weren't stretching the field. So, it's it's just really hard to win football games six yards at a time. At some point, you got to bust big plays, okay? And you saw them do that some in the third quarter. It got better as the game went on. But to watch them have a 56% success rate against what I thought was a pretty good South Carolina defense. And to do that, you know, basically without the, like without offensive line playing perfectly with Mims getting injured with, with the running back room banged up, like they did all that, you know, with, with the deck kind of stacked against them, which tells me you get guys healthy in late October and November that's that's one part of the equation. And then the other part of the equation is just like, you know, Beck stretching the field. I need three deep shots a half from Carson Beck. You give me three deep shots a half from Carson Beck, then I think everything else is easier. And that 56% success rate tells me, like, Georgia can nickel and dime their way down the field, but it's 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 hard to do that once you get in the red zone. Like, if they can just yeah, honestly, if he can just see open receivers and throw the ball to them, then yes, they can be a top five offense in the country. And 
you know, I, I think there's a, a chance they get there. And the last thing I'll say before we close is like, you know, it's kind of fascinating to see how, you know, where he is right now. Cause when he came to Georgia, all he did was throw deep shots in practices. That was all that he could do, honestly. And he was not very good or accurate with the underneath and intermediate stuff. And, you know, I, I think there's some people that didn't think he would ever become very good with the underneath intermediate stuff. And, you know, Bobo from people I've talked to deserves a ton of credit for getting him there. I think what's going to be very fascinating is just like, if he starts coupling what he's doing underneath with some lethal bombs, cause he's got the arm to throw the bombs. Yes, definitely, definitely. It can get, very fun, very fast for Georgia. Like, it, you know, it, it can become an extremely high-powered passing offense, and as we know, that will definitely help the run game. Like, the weapons are there to do it, and if you had told me before the season, okay, you have to choose one of these two things for Georgia's offense. Like, you can either choose that Carson Beck is really good at throwing deep balls and, you know, hitting them, or you can choose that so far in the season he's shown he's really good underneath and he's super accurate. I would I would pick the second because like we already knew that he could, you know, had a big arm that he could he could air it out. And so if these two kind of philosophies start mixing, it's gonna be a lot of fun and it's gonna be really exciting for for Georgia and Georgia fans. Yeah, and that was going back to what I said. I think we sh- we were shown that when he needs to go out and win a game, he has the ability to do it. So if, if the game script makes it, he has the ability to do it. Um, and I think going back to that, I, I asked my dad next to me, I was like, I guess they don't get to use the iPads because I'm going there and seeing stuff that he's, he's missing. And I'm like, if he just saw that, it would have been open because he's making multiple mistakes. But I think as he gets into the lab and – and they go through it and kind of look through all this stuff. And you know he's seeing this stuff when he's doing film study. It's mm-hmm. going to give him a lot more confidence, whereas people that are, that are scheming for him, they probably don't think that he – I mean, they they're, they don't know what we're kind of teaching them. So I do think he's going to see those on the film. And, I mean, you're going to see him hit a couple of those in the, in the game. Oh, yeah. No, we definitely will. And, I mean, you know, I think this can be kind of a, a get-right game for Georgia on Saturday in terms of downfield passing, but um, even just putting it on tape will, will affect the teams that they play down the road in terms of how they play them. So um, they'll get there. And I think that it's a good sign that, you know, Beck has protected the football and, you know, you think about a kid who's a first time starter, who the knock on for a long time was, Hey, he's kind of reckless with the football and, you know, even in high school, yeah, and turns it over, you know, he hasn't thrown an interception yet that was really on him. I mean, they're not on wood, man. There you go. Um, so give him credit. And, and like you said, the most impressive thing he's done so far was come out in the third quarter on Saturday and look totally, totally in control. So, um, Dustin, any other thoughts before we close? You don't want to pick up that last comment. You want to give us your um, film study on the place kicker? <laughs> uh, man, I not a kicking expert, but we'll see. Um, somebody did ask a good question about like who coaches the kickers, and I I don't know. 
honestly, like a lot of times they coach themselves. I know Kevin Butler. Yeah, Kevin Butler was a volunteer coach with Hot Rod. Um, I don't know if he still does that or not. So we'll see. But it's um, it's a um Sinclair and their quality control guy for for special teams. You you all the time in in the game see Sinclair talking to the punters and kickers. The strength coach. Yeah, or not? Sorry, um, the old guy Cochran. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I mean, uh, Cochran. I said Sinclair. You can see yeah. the difference. They're both ball guys on sideline. I knew that Cochran was the special teams coordinator when he got hired. Yeah, he's but, the one talking to them after every every kick and, and punt and stuff like that. I do think – I am curious, though, like – because, I mean, he was a strength coach. It's not like he's got any expertise in place-kicking uh, form or whatever. So, I am curious, like – who 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 talks to the kicker and says, "Hey, like, you need to, I don't know what, square your toe better or come through this way with your hip or or something." I am, yeah, I'm curious what the story. It's the guy's about. name's Kurt Benedict, but um, huh. he's just a newer guy. Um, cool. We had someone else at that role, but I'll save you all that information for a, a different day. I know we don't want to talk about special team coordinators. Yeah, we do. That's what this show's about, bro. Uh, if you're still watching, which actually a decent number of you are, um, look, if you're the type of person that's watching this show to an hour, to, to pass the hour mark, then you really should be subscribed to Dog Central straight up. Um, $6.99 a month. It is the best deal in the UGA media space. Uh, go look at, you know, Every week we have told you exactly who is going to play and who is not going to play coming into Saturdays. Uh, you know, Jason uh, does a phenomenal job with recruiting Intel. Uh, we, you know, Dustin and, and other folks, all of our friends are, are hanging out. Lots of, you know, guys from my got a podcast and hundred Sanford and all these other shows. We have a really cool community. And most of all, it's a respectful community where people talk about football intelligently without calling each other cucks. So, you know, come, Come hang out and uh, and I I'll make a plug because I usually will shout Graham out for stuff like that in our group chat. But the Lab McConkey stuff it came out on Friday and everybody was like, "This is all big news." But if you were subscribed to Dog Central, I mean, pretty much by Monday or Sunday, you would have known that he wasn't going to be playing in that game. So, um, I mean, I I use I use Graham as as my injury updates because some of the other sites and I mean I. I'm all for you being on other sites too. Some of them are a little bit too big to where they can't really say a lot of stuff that Graham can right now. So I would take advantage of Graham being able to say a lot more than probably the sites that's got a multi, multi thousand people viewing that one. Thank would you. you yeah, no, I would. I mean, yeah, we're, we're in a nice place right now where uh, we're, we're big enough to be relevant. And if we break a piece of news, then it gets out there and, and we get credited for it. And it's very kind of, some of those other sites and, you know, legacy media newspapers to credit us when we do break stories. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we're able to put some stuff behind the paywall and our subscribers know about it without it always getting everywhere on the internet. And that's a, that's a nice place to be truthfully. So, um, and, and, you know, I think the thing that I'll say is just like, we, we really, unless it's something that's going to give, 
Georgia a competitive disadvantage or, you know, affect a game because I'm not here to do that, then then we're going to tell you what's what's going on. So yep. um, thank you for the kind words, Dustin. It means a lot coming from you. Done, done, All right. Well, this has been the Dog Central uh, show. This has been Ask Dog Central. Um, thank you guys for joining. Thank for everybody in the chat. Harry, go dogs. Curtis Maximus, Cameron, um, lots of you in here today. Uh, Round Dog, Hinton, all sorts of good folks. Green Soldier, what's up, Scott? Uh, thank you all for coming in. Thanks for being here. Dustin, thank you because uh, you, you add quite a lot to this show, and it's a lot of fun having you on. So uh, until it. later, we will see you guys. Good dogs.